Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. In the fall of 1987, four men find themselves reunited with childhood friends for the first time in ten years. They are drawn together by the mysterious death of a mentor they all cared for together as children. World of Darkness, The Ultimate Evil is a first edition Chronicles of Darkness game that takes place in Bismarck, North Dakota and is inspired by the satanic panic of the 1980s. Remembrance is the first story arc that follows Alex, played by Adam B., Wayne, played by Adam C., Che, played by Andrew, and Michael, played by Slavic, as they discover the mysteries that surround them in their hometown. If you would like to contact us, you can reach us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. We hope you enjoy. So, I think I'll suggest maybe we uh, look into some of these remaining Welksteaders if we can. And, uh, I don't know, maybe check out this... uh, I don't know if it would it would help us to check out the Welksteader Ranch at all. I mean, probably not, but I don't know. It's a it's somewhere we could go. I can do that. I'll probably I'll as probably as call the uh, dude's office. We'll call the police office. <laughs> yeah, the guys from uh, the dudes from the new- newspaper. The newspaper dude. Uh, what's his name again? The reporter guy. Um, Terry Murphy. All right. Uh, you're gonna go to the payphone and call him right now. Oh uh, yeah, sure. You know, all right. So you, you, as you call, uh, the the phone rings a couple times, and you uh, hear a, a New York Post Terry Murphy's desk, and it's like a female with a New York hey, accent. This is Michael Gray. I think I called her before, didn't I? Oh, it was her. It was her. It was her. Okay, I think yeah, I yeah. Called into the office. I guess I'll just introduce myself. Hey, I'm uh, Michael Gray. I'm. I suppose I'm uh, one. One. Yeah, of you're working for Terry Murphy's. Yeah, with sources. Uh, you know, I want to report on friends found out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I okay. guess I'll, I'll be talking about the Walksteaders, I guess. The Charlie Dunn thing. Yeah. Okay. I think I'll probably leave all the vision stuff uh, out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, now, are you just giving her an update? Or are you asking about Charlie Walkstead, or what's the deal? I'll give her an update and I'll ask her, you know, do you know anything that might help us or did Mr. Murphy, you know, mention anything? Well, we have our ways where, I mean, we have uh, our reporters in, our, in the New York Post. We have ways where we can find people's addresses. I mean, that's something that we could perhaps do. I could see if I you hear a click in a pen. I could see if I could get an address on this Charlie Welkstetter guy. Uh, if you, I can give you a call back at... Uh, and she's like, "What what number are you calling from?" And as you on the payphone, you look and you see like the payphones used to have like a like a little phone number on there that has a the phone number for the payphone that you're yeah. at. Five 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 five. And I could call you back yeah, in about so fifteen I'll thirty tell minutes. Her, I guess. And yeah, yeah. Thanks. That'd be great. All right. And she hangs up the phone. You see, you guys see Michael hang up the phone. And do you stand by the phone and wait fifteen minutes and just kind of wave at everyone, or do you go tell them what's kind of going on? Or yeah, I'm gonna. Tell him what's going on, you know. Yeah, I just talked to uh, Murphy's secretary, and uh, she's supposed to call me back with the, the location or with the place where Charlie Walkstetter lives or, you know, with any sort of information she can dig up. 
<clears throat> and you guys sit there for about 10, 15 minutes. And then over the music, like the kind of country music that's playing, the twangy country music, you hear like the foam, like, like kind of snaps you guys out because you guys are sitting there like, you know what I mean? Drinking beers, smoking cigarettes, wait, look at the clock, look at your watches, look at whatever and seeing if time goes by. Uh, Michael, you go and answer, and she's like, yeah, so uh, is this uh, Michael Gray? Yeah, it's me. Hey, hey, so, um, yeah, I got a no, I got a address for you. Uh, so we got a, a, a address here of 1536 Elm Street and uh, New Rockford, North Dakota. Counts? No, that's, uh, that's all we got on them there. Okay, thanks. All right, scenes on you guys. Okay, I got the address. It's... Elm Street 6, New Rockford, North Dakota. You actually haven't heard of New Rockford before. Let's do rolls. We'll do an intelligence and a academics. If you guys want to roll, but see if you know. Intelligence and academics roll. I don't think anyone has academics. Alex has I, academics. Yeah, if you want to try intelligence okay. academics roll, just you know New Rockford. I mean, we can still have a chance die. Yeah, do, do you want to? You can still spend willpower. I, I, don't know. I mean, it's really not that big. I don't want to make you guys roll. It's just it's because it's it's a small town, and like there's so many small towns around there. But here's the thing: I'm sure that Alex probably has a map. You know, like one of those old atlas. You know what I mean? Or fold-out maps that people had like everywhere back then because they didn't have you know Google Maps or whatever behind the bar somewhere. Definitely have like a map of the state in my car. Yeah, 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 yeah. I got three successes on the uh, intelligence academics roll. Okay, well, sweet. You definitely know New, where New Rockford is. You knew you know New Rockford is in northeast of Bismarck. It's uh, basically a town, a small town that's north of Jamestown, which is kind of the next biggest town that's around in Jamestown. isn't really like super big either. Pretty much how you get there is you go off I-94, which is... Two-hour drive. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah, about a two-hour drive. You go east on I-94, which is that highway that you guys saw that's by the truck stop. You know what I mean? That the truck stop's on. And you pretty much go north on Highway 52. And then you can kind of get there from that way. Scenes on you guys. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. New Rockford. I've heard of that place. It's a couple hours away, though. So what? Uh, we're going to have a few uh, How important is this? I can take the day off. The, the, this the tonight off, if need be. You guys want to go tonight? How many drinks deep are you guys? I don't drive, so it doesn't matter. I was just a couple of beers. Or you go tomorrow morning, sir. Call, you know. <laughs> I don't think that'd be a good idea, especially showing up there, you know, in the middle of the night. Fine. Knock on the door in the middle of the night. I want to talk. Well, what other suggestions we have then? Maybe we could uh, make the trip Wednesday. I think I could talk. fit that in. What time would you guys want to leave on Wednesday? Two-hour drive, so we should probably leave. Maybe at like 8 o'clock in the morning, 7 o'clock in the morning, which is going to suck because I'll have to wake up for that. You'll probably sleep the whole way while people spend their gas money. Yep. You guys, uh, are you getting to take one vehicle or two vehicles? Thank Who's you. driving? I mean, I think take we can one. all fit. Can okay. we take one? Yeah. It's taking the, 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 the mighty power Jeep mobile. Do you guys want to fast forward to Wednesday or do you, is there anything you want to do between Monday night and Wednesday before you guys head in there in the morning or we can just cut to that scene? It's up to you guys. Yeah, Dave is ready to leave now, so we can go right to it if you guys want. All right, so we're going to cut to that you guys are you, – you can meet up in the parking lot of the main. I mean, even though it's not open, you know what I mean, but just this is all kind of like a central place where you can leave your cars, where, where you guys meet up there. You all feel this sense of, like, mission. 
for, for lack of a better term. And uh, I don't mean to talk in the sense of to, to talk about the military because I, I don't know whatever experience you guys have in life, but anything where you've had to do group activity and you and you're it's coming up to something important as a group, you kind of have this sense of electricity that's in the air of like um, lack of a better term, fate that you know is like you know that's bringing you guys together and you now are making movement into the unknown, right? I mean, you guys are about to get into a vehicle and go long, far away to un, to two hours away not knowing what's going to be there to greet you. You know what I mean? So there's this almost like when you guys meet up in the morning, especially the fact that a lot of you guys don't normally get up this early, like Che and, and Alex, you know what I mean? So it also has this extra layer of like a little bit adds to this layer. You know what I mean? A feeling this feels different. You know, this feels like it's destiny in a way in your, because your mind's not quite clear yet. Does, am I making sense there? When you've had to wake up, like to go on a road trip sometimes, like at five in the morning, you know what I mean? And when you first hit the road, yeah. you kind of just have this, this, this curtain. Of, I guess it just, it, 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 it's a whole different feeling. Your senses feel different. Take a chase driving. You guys go east on 994 and you eventually go north on Highway 52. Uh, as you turn on north onto Highway 52, as you, it's almost like you're breaking through a new frontier in a way. You see huge granaries on uh, that are sited on the right that look like like metallic markers of almost tombs for gods. You know, like they stand out in the horizon, and you see them, and the, and you and you try to like fathom, like if you were like standing next to one, how in how how finite you would be in the infinite. You know what I mean? It'd almost be like these things are that huge, and you see them in the horizon. You see they're painted like a dull color and they're in the middle of these plains that are like where you see like the wind kind of blowing like the tall grass along them and it's 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 almost like they are a, a world of their own when you see that and it, it, it shakes your foundation a little bit because you're going from a normal city to now there's like you're in the middle of nothing you know what i mean and this is the only semblance of any kind of like human interaction with it other than the road that you're on you know when you see these coming up there you eventually though slowly that starts to recede the the speed limit like slows down and che, you feel like when you're decelerating a little bit you, you feel like okay now it's almost like it's almost you're getting the swelling anticipation and in, in your chest you know almost like like okay like this is where it's starting to become real and you see a water town a water tower excuse me you know those big old water towers that they used to well they still have them and, and you see this white and painted on the side it says new rockford and like you know green thick lettering eventually as you slow down who would who, who would you say is like looking on the map next to che while he's driving mike do it all right mike's the co-pilot so when you see mike sitting there with the folded map looking and and you guys are rolling into like a main street like this highway it's almost like the main street i mean like it slows down from like 50 65 55 45 35 25 and you're like wow this is so weird because it's still like a highway but you see like on the right, there's like a gas station, and and on the left, there's like this motel, you know, like a you know where people park their cars outside, and you see like a general feed store, and 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 then you could tell that they're behind like the gas station on the right, and behind the general feed store and the motel on the left, you could tell there's stuff built behind there. You know what I mean? That's where like the town resides, but there's not there's not its own main street. So Mike, as you're sitting there looking. At the map, you're like, okay, 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 you got to turn right here, you know, past the gas station because there's a road that turns right on the gas station. You drive down the road, and it's a blacktop road, 
and it has like those homes there. They're not like super big homes. They're kind of almost like the size of the homes that are on that North 4th Street. But the green grass is covered by dead leaves. You see here where the wind is more prevalent. You know what I mean? Like where in Bismarck, there's so many more structures and buildings. It's like a city where here, you know, they may have a small neighborhood of homes like this, but the wind really cuts through. So all the dead leaves on these trees are all across the grass. You know, it just covers the normally what would still kind of be <clears throat> green grass. And eventually, though, the houses that are on the left and the right of this road start to get more spaced apart. So the, the blacktop gets, uh, becomes pebbled like a gravel, and you can hear the crunch on your Jeep. You almost feel, though, like, Che, like, this is why I got a Jeep. When you start hearing that, you know, that crunching sound a little bit, it's not like you're off-roading, but it's like the, the blacktop becomes a, a pebbled driveway. And as you're driving along, you see that there's a couple of houses, but they're really more spaced apart. And they're, and they're a little bit bigger, but they're not huge homes. You know, I would say they're about 2,000 square feet, you know, but they're, they're a little bit bigger. And as you're coming along this Pavel Way, you see that there's actually a lake that, like, this road is leading to. And as you kind of, like, go up this little hill and you come down, you see that there's one final house that's on this Elm Street. And there's this peaceful, tranquil lake that 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 is like right outside it's a rather large lake you know what i mean it's like not like doesn't belong strictly to this house it's just this house is kind of like built upon it and when i say lake it's not like a super wide or excuse me you know like you know what i mean like it doesn't have a huge circumference but it's like a longer lake that's not as wide does that make sense so it's almost like a oval more shape than like a more of a circular shape so you could easily see like the other end of the lake but still i would constitute a lake due to the the length of it i guess all right. Uh, this house is small and tan, like that was probably built about 40 to 50 years ago. You see that there is a pickup truck that's in the front. You, you don't really see nothing else there. You can kind of see that it looks to be fairly taken care of. I mean, the grass is cut, which it has like a half an acre around it, as you can make out, because you can kind of see it as you're uh, rolling up. So, all right. The scene's on you guys. This is uh, later in the year, right? Like autumn? It's like September, yeah, October, yeah. Late, like towards late September. Okay. Um, so, you sure this is the right place? Uh, 1236 looks like the right place to me. Well, let's go talk to people. Well, two hours later, we're here now. Fuck. Yeah, you guys are really feeling like this shit, man. Like, like there's no turning back now kind of feeling, so... What are you guys doing from here? Are you all going up there together or, is a, or a couple of you going or what's the deal? I think the problem is what do we say or what do we ask? Use your police officer to speak. Uh, yeah, but they have lawyers. I'm pretty sure these, these are the sorts of people that don't talk to the police. Can't you just say, hey, I want to ask you some questions? We could try that. Alex, as, you, as these three are talking, you're kind of like sitting there kind of like trying to control, you know, you're scratching your arms a little bit again. Mm -hmm. You're sitting there in the uh, back and you look out the little window that that's closest to the house and you see that like the screen door, like the back door, or excuse me, the wooden part of the door has been opened. You see a figure standing in the screen door, just kind of looking at the Jeep as it's sitting there running in front of the house, you know? Hey guys, uh, they know we're here. What do you mean? And Alex will point. <laughs> There's someone watching us. I got an idea. You guys want to hear it? Yeah. Uh, we could just say that, you know, one of us is a reporter investigating the story for, you know, a magazine or a newspaper. 
Kind of like uh, it's the guy that true, sort of. Yeah, just say that we're <laughs> at least thirty percent. Good idea, Alex. And you see the figure? He who waved to him? Mike did. Uh, Michael I waved did. to him. Someone did. You see him kind of like waving. As you guys can see, he kind of looks like he. You can't really make out too much of the screen door, but it looks like kind of like an over a little overweight guy, not like obese, but you know, you can't really make out too much, but you can definitely tell it's a male, you know, and he kind of waves in return. Where is he again? He opened up like the wood, the front door, and there's like, like in a, I don't know how how it is uh, in Europe, but like a lot of these homes in the '80s used to have and still do a lot of the, do have where they have like a normal front door, but then there's like a screen door that that is outside the front door. So if someone was to open the front door, there'd be like a screen door still there, and he's like standing at the screen door because you can see through the screen door, you know what I mean? And he's kind of just because he saw a vehicle roll up, you know? And he, as, he, as he waves again, you see him, like, prop open the screen door. And as he prop open the screen door, you see a figure. He has, like, a kind of a, a, a grayish sweater, has some older, scruffed-up-looking blue jeans. He, he has, like, some white tennis shoes on that look a little scruffed-up, kind of uh, has, a, uh, like, a, a horseshoe of hair around his head where the top is bald, but the rest of it's kind of, like, neatly uh, cut blonde hair and he has like a, a, a beard that's closer than mine. You know what I mean? That that seems to be trimmed. You just see him kind of like looking quizzically at you guys <laughs> as you guys are sitting there in the Jeep looking at him. Hey, he waved back. Let's go talk to him. Who's going to be the reporter? <laughs> okay. Alex, since it was your idea, I was just saying, your, your Alex, I think you should be the reporter. Oh, God damn it. All right. <laughs> So you guys are getting out of the vehicle, you know, everyone's going, oh, 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 you know. Well, are we like your team of assistants or something? I don't know. Clearly, I have a local driver. <laughs> I'm your male secretary. We'll, we'll go with that if, if they ask. <laughs> Step out of the car and light a cigarette. Look bored. Driver, assistant, photographer. I think that should cover it. All right. There you go. Alex will sort of straighten his hair a little, you know, smooth the wrinkles out of his shirt and. Hey, Mike, do you have, like, a little notepad or something I could use? Yeah, sure. I'll fish out something, you know. I'll grab the little detective's notepad or police officer's notepad, and I'll flip it open as I walk and find a blank page, and I'll walk right up. You see that? You see the figure kind of look at you quizzically, and let me get a, uh, yeah, what's composure? Let me have you guys all roll a what's the composure roll, please. Three successes. Uh, Mitch has two. Wayne has one, and Che has two. So you all, as you're coming up here, recognize, but maybe, Mike, I would say you have the biggest impact because you're the one who saw him in the front door. You realize that this is definitely uh, Charlie Dunn, a.k.a. Charlie Welkstetter now, who you've kind of realized, but it looks like age hasn't like been kind to him at all, where 10 years ago he looked like a vibrant, you know what I mean, somewhat vibrant young man of in his 20s you realize now he's in his early 30s but really he looks like he could be in his mid 40s just from the the toll that life has taken on him you know and as, as he walks up he's like is there something i can help you gentlemen with hi yeah are you uh i'll pretend to flip back through the notebook a little bit yeah are you uh mr charles welkstetter that is me and uh i can't believe i don't think i made the pleasure of your acquaintance yet hi my name is uh alex white I'm a freelance nice. reporter. <laughs> okay. Working on a story. He's kind of looking at you. Well, Go I've been ahead, working with this uh, guy out of New York trying to do some follow-up on the Amanda Palmer case. You, you say that name, you kind of see, like, his eyes 
like kind of like he kind of like is taken aback for a second. And you see oh, his yeah. mouth kind of slacked, opens a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like just you know, like <gasps> that shock where it'd be like <gasps> uh, he sits there for a second. He's like, oh, um, and you can see him for a second, like his eyes look like back and forth, like he's processing, and he's like, yeah, we could talk. Hey, do you want to take care of this outside, or you want to sit down inside? How would you prefer to do no, this? We could, we could talk inside. Okay. Inside's fine. You see him kind of like he like props open, can walk in. Thank you. Yeah, as you guys make your way in, you kind of like you smell like um like wood furniture. You know what I mean? Like you look inside and you see like there's some like a couch that has like a wooden frame, like like but like handmade frame with like leather cushions, and you see like a reading chair that's made of leather. You see there's a brick laid fireplace. And he has a couple bookshelves there. Uh, you see that there's no TV though. Which which is kind of uh, you know odd for nowadays, but uh, you see there's a stereo there, like a little stereo where he might listen to radio shows. You can see like there's a hallway. So when you walk in the living rooms on the left, right? If you go straight ahead, there's a hallway. You see like one door at the end of the hallway and one on the left, and then to the right, of, when you walk in the door, there's like a little dining room area, and you can see like there might be a kitchen and a door that leads out that way. And he kind of goes into his living room and he kind of just motions to the couch. There's only room for three seats on there, and, and he sits in the reclining chair there, so someone will have to stand up if they want to. Okay. Alex will sit in the middle of the couch. I'll stand. Uh, you'll stand, all right. The other two will sit. All right. So he sits down. You see him almost like uh, – let me get uh, wits and empathy. If you guys want to roll it, give me a roll if you can. Wits and empathy, please. Two. That's one. Two, two. two. And I how about one. you, Che? You got one. How about you, Che? Oh, you're staying outside? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, okay, cool, cool. Sweet. So all three of you can sit down. All right, thank you. That's actually kind of cool. Remember I said I'm going to stay out here. I'm going to smoke a cigarette, make myself look like the driver. I dig that, actually. That's pretty rad, dude. All right, so uh, you all three kind of feel like get this sense of acceptance from him. Does that make sense? You know what I mean? Like he went from being like shocked to being like his body mannerisms are just like he seems relaxed. Like he's not on guard. Like like he's like just seems like you get the sense of acceptance from him. He's like, that's a name. How did you come across me in that name when looking into that? Well, we were uh, looking into Amanda's past. You know, we're following up on her murder. Wanted to see where she came from, the people that she knew before she went out to California. And uh, as we were talking to a few folks, they indicated that she had had a friend named Charlie. And we sort of went from there until we found you. That's that's commendable, seeing that I didn't use my real name around. So, Why excuse me, that? I was a little, Oh, you know, uh, some people in my family thought it would be better, I suppose, that I, I didn't use my real name. And I kind of wanted to stake out on my own. And I felt that maybe my family and uh, members of my family wouldn't want to... I just didn't want to have that burden, I guess. But I, I can't lie that I'm I'm definitely intrigued, and a part of me has been waiting for this day to happen almost. I figured I actually thought it would happen sooner than later, and I'm, Why is that? I'm kind of taken aback. Well, if you already know who you know my real name, then I'm sure you probably know that my family has gone been through a bunch this last six months or so. And when it rains, it pours, I suppose, right? I suppose. It's been known to happen. <clears throat> what can you uh, tell us about Amanda? <sighs> I don't know. It's, it's been 10 years. I could tell you that she was a good person, you know. I could tell you she was um, warm and caring and, 
and in retrospect, didn't deserve the fate that was uh, given to her. And um, but that was just I really thought I would never think of that part of my life. At least I think about it every day, to be honest with you. Really, that, there any, that period of my life. It kind of, anything about that period in your life that uh, you might regret? Can a man regret his whole life? And you see him kind of like he looks out. The, he's just like looking out the window. You see like his eyes get a little watery a little bit. Not like he's tears coming down yet, but you can definitely tell that he is, you know, at this point, you know. Is there anything that you I, regret um, involving Amanda? Huh. I, uh, I, 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 I regret that. I, I regret that Christina didn't listen to her. I regret confronting her. I mean, if you know about me, you have to know about my family now then, right? Uh, we've got some notes. What can you tell me Go about ahead. that confrontation shortly before she left for uh, California? You see him, he's just like sitting there, like how I'm looking now, like he's rubbing his mustache, you know what I mean? He's looking at the floor, like like he's just shakes his head a little bit a couple times, you know what I mean, as he's sitting there and he, he looks at you and he's like, well, um, to explain that, I guess I have to tell you a little bit more what happened beforehand, but um, there's, there was a there was this wonderful woman in my life who had me questioning the life I was living at the time and the decisions I was making for others, I suppose you could call it that, and had me convinced that I could go and find my own uh, path in life. And this, this wonderful human being, she was, she was warned by Amanda of my previous exploits and was told that um, I probably wasn't the best person to date, which I understand but Amanda at that point didn't realize that I wasn't believing any of that stuff that I had done back then anymore. I was just looking for a way out. What sort of stuff was it that you were doing? Just trying to live in the shadow of my brother, really. That's what I was trying to do. I, You probably don't even know that much about it. You just When you hear my brother's name, you probably just think like multimillionaire, all that stuff, right? Yeah, what, what can you tell us to add to that image? Well... I could tell you he was popular growing up in this in Bismarck, where you guys are from, where I haven't been in a long time. He um he was bigger than this city. He was bigger than the state. He was just too he was too bright in a way uh, of of a, of a star. You know, he left, uh, went to college, and she went to Harvard Business School, uh, graduated, and he came back here. And he convinced my family in the '60s. And mind you, I was just a, a boy around ten years old. My, my well, I was about 14. My brother was 12 years older than me. And he convinced them to go from ranching and farming to investing our lands uh, into real estate uh, with the dam that was built. And they, and they believed him. and they, Or they took a gamble on him, and he paid off. He convinced them it was time for them to retire, and he took over, our, he took over the family business. They moved to Florida. Um, and when I was about 16, I went to private school. Uh, for a while out of state, and I and I came back when I was. Uh, I he was he he was he was different though when he came back. I don't know. He while he was making these genius business ideas, and he was just knocking like the 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 the, the ruling class. I hate to use that term, but knocking these families in Bismarck who have been there since the founding on their ass with his decisions. I found him also though to be oddly distant, and and, and oftentimes he would, you know, he would just disappear like. And and I grew curious that you know with the young age I was I remember I was like 18 years old and I was just curious and I was wondering why he would just randomly go on these horse rides in his estate I mean the 30,000 acres on that goddamn ranch and he would just disappear and he, and he would ne- he would never you know 
tell me what he was doing out there. And when I would confront him, he would tell me that he was just clearing his head. You see him, he sits there and he looks at the floor again. And um, you see him kind of just like, you see like a little bit of a tear come like out, out of his eyes and he kind of like wipes it with the back of his hand. He's like, I'm going to make myself a drink. And he gets up and he walks towards his radio that he has sitting there. And he has like, you see, he has like a little like stand there that has some uh, alcohol there. And he like pours himself a drink and he looks towards you three. And the emotions like, would you, do you guys want one? Would you like one? I should, sure. I shouldn't. I'm working. Oh, okay. And, and he kind of pours some uh, brandy and he kind of like hands you the glass as he walks back to his chair. Thank um, you. I'll say yeah, thank you. Casually sipping. It's amazing sometimes when you look back on time and you sometimes see it clearer, right, than you saw it at the time. Have you ever had that happen to you before? You know, when you look back 10 years or so and you think really that time would make a memory distant, but instead it puts it more into perspective than you, than you had before? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I can relate to that. That's for the last 10 years of sitting in this town. That's what's been happening to me. One time when I was 18, something got into me where I was like, I have to find out what he's doing out there. And I remember I took one of our horses that were on the ranch. I got lost. It was kind of a foolish thing I did. I only had a canteen of water with me, and I had these binoculars that my father had gotten me when I was a Boy Scout when I was earlier. And I wandered around lost, not wondering like where he was, how I was going to find him. I had no idea. And then in the distance, I saw like a glimpse, like, like a reflection on metal. It was, it was almost as if like, like I was a signal to me, like I was supposed to see it. And I remember I used those binoculars that my father had bought me. <laughs> those binoculars whose intent was to witness birds and things of life. And instead, I saw my brother carrying a dead body over his shoulder and stepping into something that I could only imagine to be a, cell, a cellar that was there in the middle of there and disappearing. Now, I remember I was overwhelmed by the sense of panic, and, and I, I didn't know how to comprehend what I saw. And I just – I remember I fled. It, it couldn't have been too much afterwards where I tried to, in my head, explain what I saw. And it almost took like a dreamlike quality on me. But now I see it clearly, and I know what happened. But I also know, though, like later that day, sitting in my guest room on my brother's ranch, rationalizing it to myself, and something how already in that short amount of time explaining it off – but one thing that I couldn't explain off and one thing I couldn't get rid of during this time was the sense of like curiosity about my brother even more. Cause mind you, me, my brother, my brother and I were never close. There's was too much of an age gap. I was an oops kid. I wasn't planned by my parents. My brother was the one that was planned and he was supposed to be the last one, but I came along and, and while I never posed a threat to my brother or his inheritance or, or his, his destiny in our family, we just never had the bonding that would normally be included in a relationship like that. So I go, and I don't know if it was a week or two later, but I start digging through his house whenever I don't think he's there. I had a key that I had stolen, and I would try to find whatever I could find. And one time I came upon his study, and, and I would always get this odd sense when I'd go into that study. Like, I, like, like, like I wasn't, my, my soul wasn't supposed to be in there. You understand? Like, like my very essence of my being, I was not supposed to be in that room. And one day I finally conquered that fear and I went into that room and upon my brother's desk. And mind you, I avoided this room. All the times I rummaged through this huge ranch of his, I always avoided that room and I could have gone in there anytime, but I never did. And finally I got the courage to go into that room and I saw something on his desk. And this is the one thing I can't remember. 
it was a book of some sort. It was, it was something on there. And right when I was like starting to focus in on that book, it was behind me. And I turn around, my brother's standing there and he's asking me what I'm doing. And I have no idea what I, I don't know how to answer at that moment. I'm stammering. And he comes over to around the desk and he takes that book. And I remember he closes it and he opens the safe he has and he puts the book back in the safe and he comes to me smiling. And he asks me, he says, what are you trying to find, Charlie? What are you, what, what are you looking for? And, I, and, I, and I, I felt that moment that he had the answers that I was trying to look for. And I, and I told him, I said, I, I, I want to find my own path. I've, you have everything in life now. You've gone and done everything in life. And I have no idea what I'm supposed to do now. I don't know if I'm supposed to go to college like you. I don't know what our parents want from us now. They live in Florida. They don't talk to me that much. I'm here about myself and I'm stranded. Like, like, and, I, and, I, and I'm almost like I'm alone in the ocean. And I have no tether at all. And he tells me that he can give me those answers. And he tells me that he will guide me. And he has me start doing these. He tells me I have to read about my inner self. And I have to read about ways that I can expand my mind. I'm like these drones that, that reside in the state, you know, that, that, that just go along. And that the reason why he's so successful is that he, when he was gone, he expanded his mind and he found answers. And he told me that before he could even help me, he, I needed to show him had that thirst. So, so I delved into whatever I could. I, I found the writings of like, I, I looked into like Scientology and I found the writings of Alistair Crowley and I like looked into all this stuff and I thought in my young mind, I was only 20 years old and I thought that I was starting to figure it out. And I remember I came to him one day and I said, I think I know what you're talking about. I think I know that there's a beyond and that our minds are, are, can comprehend so much more. But I, I feel like there's, a, there, there's just a, a, a blockage and I can't clear it. And I need this help because I know that he can tell me that. And he tells me that um, he tells me that there's a, this group, this church that he became part of, and I, and I was taken aback because to me he was never a religious man. And he said that there was this church called the Process Church of the Final Judgment that he had found out about when he was in college uh, in the '60s. And he said at first it was foolishness, uh, but once they fell apart by that that people who were within that church that knew the truth to everything uh, decided not to be so vocal and public as the process church had and that he was part of that group. And he told me that in that group that they didn't look, uh, they didn't, you kind of see him choke up for a second. They didn't look at God as any kind of savior. They looked at him like a, like a master slave master that, that kept people under his yoke. It's fucking Satan. And I'm sitting here and I'm realizing to myself when he's telling me this, how foolish it sounds. And, and, and I can't believe that my brother is saying this. But then at this moment, like, like all that snapped away. And at the time, I didn't realize this, but I realized like talking to him, like watching his lips and his eyes move, that, that, that like I was entranced by him, him telling me this. And he told me that I have to, that is my role. If I want to know my path, I have to go help strengthen the family. And in doing that, I have to go out there and I have to find people and I have to show them what he showed me. So I, I, I started doing that. I, I went and I, I started looking at bars. He told me to find the weak of will and the desperate and those who, who are, are seeking answers. And, and he said, I could fill their head with anything. And he's like, once I filled them with anything that we want, we can mold them to there and that we could get our family even more strength than we already had. He said he already had us covered financially but it was on us to cover um like with an army like with the supporters with like a movement am i making sense with this do you understand what i'm saying so far so good and it's like so i did that and I, but i found 
I don't know. I didn't. I would do what he told me to do. He would say, put them under the influence of drugs and do drugs and, and, and mold their thoughts, mold their beliefs. He told me to do these rituals. He gave me details on these things. I never, while he's telling me to like kill dogs and like do this insane stuff that right now I know is not rational in the slightest, I still did it. And, and, and I still, but I, I didn't believe. And, and I met Christina. And she was this beautiful native lady. She was beautiful. She was Lakota, but she was like, she was educated and she was warm. And when I met her, it was almost like I was snapped out of that spell that my brother had in me. Like, like, like everything, like everything at that moment. You remember I told you how like you can look at the past and it seems more clear than at the moment that you were living it. And I realized right there when she talked to me that, that, that I had been ensnared. But she told me that I could get out of that. And we planned to get out of that. And that's why I got angry at Amanda because Amanda came to her. And Amanda was trying to dissuade her from, from, from talking to me and being with me. But this was my savior. Do you understand? This is my key to get away from this all. Me and her were going to leave. We were going to do one last ritual. And while they were distracted, because mind you, at this point, I already had the majority of the people who were the fools from Mandan who were doing the shit with me. I already kind of, unknowing to my brother, had it to where they just started thinking this was a party. But you had Dora and you had Jay, and they were the two hardest to let go. But we were going to have this last ritual at that house, and we were going to, and in the middle of it, me and her were going to leave, and we were never going to look back. We were just going to go, and we were going to escape my brother, and we were going to escape all this stuff that I had dug myself into. I, I know, and it just didn't work out that way. And you see him kind of finish his drink. I got I to gotta take a piss. I'll be right back. And you kind of see him get up, and he goes and walks towards the bathroom uh, and you hear the hallway door close as you guys are left there by yourself. I'm going to make eye contact with Alex and Mike, just kind of uh, a little bit bewildered by uh, what I'm hearing. You need to find out more about this ritual. Hey Mike, you're investigative and such. Can you mm-hmm. say you have to go to the bathroom too and see if you can hear anything? I don't want him killing himself in there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'll Thank go. you. Uh, as you walk uh, down the hallway, Michael, give me a, a, a wits and investigation, please. Okay, two successes. As you're walking through the bat, uh, walking down the hallway, you're kind of like, and you stop and you're listening, mm-hmm. and you're like, you hear like a drip, 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 drip. Okay, I'll drip. Try to find the source of the dripping. It's coming from behind the bathroom door, and you see it like it's as you're getting closer, you're kind of. Hear that the, you're hearing more drips, you know? Drip, 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 drip. Yeah. Okay. Plop, plop. It starts sounding like it's like a puddle now. Yeah, I'll probably start running or, you know, open the door quickly. As you, you try to, like, open the door, and, you, and it's a little locked. It's locked right now. But it's a butter knife lock. Are you going to unlock it? Yeah, definitely. You unlock the door, and as you open the door... You see, slumped against the wall, Charlie Welkstetter, uh, his shirt's off. You see his, like, gut hanging over his belt. But you are first drawn to, like, how from his forearms down on both arms are just red with blood. And you just see, like, he's laying there against the wall. And you see, like, blood is, like, pouring, cascading down his hands. And you're looking, you're like, what the fuck? And behind your, the wall, you see on the linoleum, almost, like, written with, like, a finger, it says, forgive me. Like, like in blood that he wrote on there, 
as best as he could. And you're like sitting there and you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck? And you look at him as you're standing there and you see this, you get flashback. You get taken aback of seeing like a feet, like seeing the younger version of Charlie Wilkes that are standing there. I described before. And like, like, like him, it, you see like him from like an angle where you see like a female native female standing in front of her and you see it like a look of despair on his face. And you see blood on his hands like this as she's like slumped into him. Hello, folks. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite white wolf role playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded, one which wouldn't be drowned out by random posts and discussion so that your media could get the attention you want? Well, we have the answer for you in a Facebook group we run called Weight Wolf RPGs Gameplay and Media. The group is specifically ran with the sole intent of it being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. We are currently over 1,000 members strong, and we are continuing to rapidly grow with new media being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there. High Level Games the industry's first choice in taking your games to the next level. We are a podcast blog and new media network at highlevelgames.ca. We have blog posts about all of your favorite games going up five days a week and a podcasting network with actual plays and shows that discuss role-playing games with more rolling out all the time. We are on iTunes, Twitch, and YouTube. Find out more information at highlevelgames.ca, a site that certainly isn't controlled by a shadowy board of directors of otherworldly origin that's highlevelgames.ca please help they're coming